Are you a victim crippled by the minotaur in the labyrinth of your mind? Or will you fight your biggest challenges like Theseus and fulfill your potential? My name is Zulfakar and welcome to the Minotaur's Maze. Welcome to the Minotaur's Maze. My guest today is Joseph Jones, who is the founder and managing director of EduGrowth, which is an online learning provider specializing in entrepreneurship. He is responsible for the day-to-day operational management of the business and implementing the strategy developed with the board of directors. Prior to starting EduGrowth, Joseph has successfully run three businesses in hospitality, property investment, and education. His most notable achievement was uh, being the chief executive and co-founder of an international exam board before it was acquired by an investor in 2016. Joseph, welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you, so for coming. So just tell us a little bit more about yourself, uh, you know, how you started in entrepreneurship and what you went through and, and where you are today in, in, you know, as briefly as possible, because I'm sure there's, there's so much in that, in that story, but uh, which we'll dive into after the uh, opening introduction. Yeah, um, well, I've had three main um, jobs. The first was when I first got, got out of school working for uh, Lloyds Bank um, in a sort of customer service role. Um, during the last recession, um, as you probably remember, there was a lot of uh, banking redundancies and um, I chose to take redundancy then. And it just happened that my brother was finishing university um, and another family member, my father, was um, just finishing something else as well. So we thought that we would start um, the exam board because we knew there was, there was a market for it. Um, we ran that successfully for a, a, about eight years, I think, before we decided that it was um, time to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we got in touch with various investors and found one who took over the business. Um, after leaving uh, the exam board, we set up um, a property investment company, which is basically a holding company for some some properties myself and my brother own. So that's very, it just gets sort of left alone. It's like a pension type thing. Um, we we had a bar. To be honest, we weren't very good at running a bar. Um, and then um, after that, I did a little bit of consultancy work in education projects. Um, and then what I wanted to do um, I wanted to set up my own business again. And I thought to myself, well, what are my two passions? They are education and entrepreneurship. Hence, uh, setting up uh, EduGrowth, which we're just starting off now. And the um, although we've only just launched the products, it um, seems to be heading in the right uh, direction. Okay, so talk to us a little bit more about EduGrowth. So what, what are you, um, you know, well, what is the platform and, you know, who are you helping and how are you helping them? Well, we've got, um, we've got a program, which is 18 small modules uh, for people um, who are helping them to set up a business. 
and they might be things like um, managing finance, researching your market, and that type of things. And then and we, and we provide online coaching and we provide various materials, including um, text, videos from entrepreneurs, videos from experts, etc. And And the program is very practical. So every module you do, you'll actually come out with something which is useful for your, for your business, like a, a financial budget or a, or a marketing plan. And there's two business models that we have to um, provide this program. We do it direct to participants, which could be anyone who wants to set up a business, and we'll do that online. We also have what we call delivery partners, where they deliver the program on our behalf. And they may be uh, further education colleges. Um, they could be local councils. Um, we have speaking to people in um, in uh, international locations in terms of we've got Barcelona, I think Taiwan, um, just coming on. So they're the two business models. Excellent. And who's your target audience? Uh, you know where? So if somebody's watching this. Um, who, who, who would be the ideal person to take your platform uh, and, and where, what would the end result be for them? Um, for the direct participants uh, that we deal with um, directly, it would be somebody who has a business idea um, but maybe doesn't have the business-related skills. Um, so, for example, it could be somebody who's um, just lost their job and might be struggling to find another job, but has a business idea um, which he thinks there's a market for, he or she thinks there's a market for. Um, and then we will support them throughout the process of setting up and doing the online learning and then having these outputs which support the, the business ongoing. Um, and in addition, if they want to continue with the coaching after the program's finished, we can do that as well. So the 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 actual audience is is quite broad, um, but it's just somebody who needs some extra business skills. And we we deliberately made the program very short, so each um, module is only one or two credits, uh, which can be done in <clears throat> one or two days, um, because in the market at the moment, a lot of these business programs, be they an MBA or a or sort of an NHND, are one or two years. And while they may be useful for some people, we think that something is short and, and snappy, which helps them get on with it, um, would be um, useful. So they're setting up the business whilst they're um, doing the program. Brilliant. And just talk to us then a little bit about your mindset when you first started with your entrepreneurship journey, because it, it is a roller coaster. And uh, if you're not prepared for it mentally, it, it can go pretty bad pretty quickly. So talk to us about some of the challenges you faced when you first started. What were they um, and, and how did you continue through those challenges? When we first started the the first business, the, the exam board. I think the main challenge we found, or the main two challenges we found, is we 
soon realized that we didn't have the skill set um, to um, run a, an exam board effectively. So that affects your mindset when you think you're not giving somebody a good customer experience. Mm -hmm. um, so what we did is we basically hired people that were more experienced than us in the, um, in the education sector. I sec the second thing I think about the mindset was we, we grew very fast um, initially. And I think you can, I mean, while, whilst that's good, I think it can affect you mentally. Uh, when you're working all hours, you want, if, you go, if you're growing very fast, it's hard to um, provide excellent customer service. Um, so again, whilst we were successful, you have these additional stresses um, uh, around you. Uh, and so how did you overcome that? What did you do to get over those, you know, mindset issues and, and move forward? Um, well, as I said, we we hired some really experienced people, people who'd run big multi-million pound education um, businesses. We expanded our team. Um, so we were doing less of the operational things. So although we made less money in the short term, it was a, um, we would set the foundations for uh, more success in the long term. And I think in terms of our, or my mindset as well is that I, I tried to uh, take a step back. So I wasn't working um, 12 hours a day during the week, uh, most days during the weekend as well. Uh, so I think that can really, it sounds um, counterintuitive, but sometimes working too many hours can be less productive for your company. Brilliant. And, uh, so obviously we, we talk a lot about leadership in, in, in today's market and you know, you know, you've run businesses, you've been the owner, you've been the operation manager. So what makes uh, an effective leader like, and, and, you know, what can you do to develop strong leadership skills? Um, I think an effective leader, the, the most important thing for me um, is to set the tone for your staff, make sure they, they, they've got buy-in for your mission and vision. And another thing would be, and as I've pre previously mentioned, making sure you've got the right team in place, knowing that you're not the person with all the answers. You've got, you're the person who's got to make the final say, but you take on board advice from um, a range of experts before making decisions. So they, they would be the, the main two things, I think. In terms of development, I think it's, there's two things. I think you, I mean, I've, I've always had a mentor for the last 10 years and it's, and it's learning from them um, and, and um, taking what they say on board. Again, it has to be you making the final decision, but uh, getting their feedback. And another thing for me is putting your learning into practice. So you don't stop learning um, when, you're, when you become a leader. I mean, I, any course or book I read, I've got 
a, a, a process. I always write four or five things I'm going to put into action um, after, and then I review them with my mentor or or with um, with other colleagues. So I think that's um, that's some of the main things about developing uh, yourself as a leader. Okay, and, and how, how much is uh, self-esteem linked with leadership and, and business? Because, you know, we've got uh, an environment where lots of people want to start businesses, but they just don't have the mindset, they don't have the self-esteem, uh, and they don't have the confidence. So how important is self-esteem, um, and what can you do to develop it to increase your productivity in a business context? Um, in terms of self-esteem, I think people and entrepreneurs, probably more in particular, um, tend to beat themselves up a bit when things aren't, aren't going right. Um, mm -hmm. so, so what you need to do is, um, when things do go um, right, that you reward yourself. You give us, you don't have hold a party or anything, but you um, you give yourself a pat on the back, and um, because I mean, definitely during the first um, period of setting up a a business, you, loads of things are going to go wrong. But what you need to do is look. God, I've come from A to B in a period of time, a few months. Look at all the good things that have happened. Um, and I think it again it it helps to have a positive um, a positive team around you, and that's that's just not your business. It's your it might be your family, your friends that you can speak to just as a sounding board. Because very often, if if you are going over something in your head that you think is going wrong, you'll speak to somebody else who's who's not um, involved in the situation, and and they will just help you realize that it's it's not uh, a huge issue and um, so again it's about having a, yeah having a, a good team good positive team patting yourself on the back and having a, a sort of sounding board a positive sounding board okay and you know we hear a lot of buzzwords when it comes to, to business and, and one of those is you know having a, a business strategy but what exactly does it mean to have a strategy in, in business and, and what steps should you be taking initially to create a, a good strategy? Um, well, it's a strategy, and it, there's loads of subjective definitions of strategy, as I'm sure you know. Yeah. I, I really like the definition, which is um, a cohesive set of actions and policies to achieve a required um, and an objective. Um, and how, how I would structure a strategy or how I think where a strategy fits within um, the overall business documentation is you'll have your vision and your objectives up there and you'll have your strategy, which is um, the way you're going to get there. Then underneath that, you'd have your sort of concrete plans and tactics um, to, to achieve that. So I think an effective strategy is one that's been um, researched effectively, um, one that is cohesive across the organisation. Uh, so you don't have one part of the company doing this, which doesn't fit with the overall mission, and um, another part doing something else. Um, I think 
it has to fit within your resources in terms of people and, and financial. I mean, I could easily come up with a, a strategy for a business which required 100 people and, and 20 million pounds, but it's, um, it's obviously not achievable. And I think it's reviewing it as well. I mean, particularly with new businesses, they'll create a strategy and a, and a plan and a, a vision. In almost all cases, they'll pivot after a while. So it's, it's knowing that the, the strategy is not set in stone. It's, um, it's a working document. Okay. And obviously we're going through a period now with obviously COVID and, and you know, there's a lot of pain out there. Um, but for somebody who's never started a business before, maybe they're, they're an employee right now, they're fed up, or maybe they've lost their job and they're thinking about starting a business, like for somebody who's got no business experience whatsoever, what are the first maybe three concrete practical steps they need to take to move forward if they haven't even got an idea? Um, well, apart from doing our course, is, <laughs> is um, research. You can, I mean, there's, it doesn't have to be time too time consuming, um, but you can you can look at different industries and see which ones are going to be big in the future. Um, for example, green green energy, um, that's gonna that's gonna work. See who the other players are in the industry and just do a sort of a analysis gap of um, where the where there might be a, a gap in the market. That would, I'll do that first. And then I'd go and speak to experts. Um, again, you don't necessarily have to pay them initially. It, they could just be people um, who, ex, who are experienced and knowledgeable um, and, and want to give back um, to uh, people starting their business. And then once you found that gap and you might have an idea, um, you, need to you'd need to look at what resources you need in terms of skills um, and uh, people and financial so i think i think that's the three things okay so uh, how would you recommend somebody go about doing that research like everybody tells you to go to a research but you know if i'm stressed out right now if i'm struggling and i'm not thinking clearly and somebody's telling me to do research and i'm like what does that mean so what how would you go about actually doing the research and you know, how would you determine whether something is a good fit for the future, like green energy, if you've got no idea about the industry? I think there's plenty of free research online. Obviously, you need to make sure that it's it's valid because there's lots of stuff online which um, is not. And so, again, I don't think it's it, it needs to be that time-consuming. Um, ideally, as well, if, if you're starting out... Um, if you're looking to start a new business, I'd always try and do it with a with a partner. I think um, people with who who set up if joint founders are much more likely to be successful, and and you'll know that they're much more likely to attract venture uh, capital. Um, so yeah, having a, having a partner would be important as well. Somebody who complements your your skill set. Okay, and, and um, 
how would you go about finding a partner that complements your skill set? Like, because um, a lot of people they go into business with with their friends or they go into there with their family and it doesn't quite work out. So, what possibly mindset do you need to have? Like, what what you sh- what should you be looking for exactly in a partner? Um, well, it's difficult because you, you'd like to know them. Um, personally, either he didn't want to know them too too personally. I mean, I was lucky that I set up my business with my um, father and brother initially, because we all know that one person was good at that thing, the other person was good at that, the other one was good at marketing, so it it worked out fine. Um, yeah, and it's a, that's a really difficult question. Um, I think maybe you could speak to. Um, profession, uh, professionals such as accounting, uh, your accountant who might, who's more likely to have more business links than you. Um, so we might know somebody who's done something before in a similar um, sort of similar industry and he can introduce you and he'll be able to tell you a little bit about that person and then obviously you can, you can meet and have a chat and see if you, if you sort of sync together. Brilliant. Brilliant. So We've done the research, we've got the idea what we want to do, we've got the, the partner, uh, we've spoken to the experts now, so we, we, we've got the idea, we know what we want to do, what then is the next practical step to get the business off the ground? The next step would be to do a, a plan. And it, I wouldn't do a, um, a sort of three, four, five year plan, I'd just do a plan for say three months, which would in, involve you speaking to potential customers, and it might involve doing further analysis. And then after that three months, when you've got more information, you know what you think well, that people are interested in our product, and then you would do a longer-term plan, and which would help you identify what resources um, you need. Uh, so whether it's viable, because it's best to say after three months, no, it's, it's not going to work. Invest hundreds of thousands um, and just just carry on. Okay. And do you have any tips? Because I know this is a massive question, which I'd say 90% of people, uh, business owners, when they start, they just don't even bother with the plan. So, you know, firstly, how important is the business plan? And, and secondly, you know, how would you go about creating that plan? Um, I think it's really important, but I think people go a little bit over the top with it in terms of spending, uh, creating tens and tens of pages of document, which they're never going to use. Because the, the, the most important thing about a plan is the actual using it afterwards. Um, so you'd want something which has the objectives, um, it has the resources you need, it has the tasks, it says who's going to do them, it says who's going to do them by when, and when they're going to get reviewed. They would be the main things I would have in a plan. Um, obviously, if, you, if you're going to um, investors, they may, they may want something a bit more detailed. Um, but but if, if it's just you at the beginning or you and a partner, I'll keep it as simple as possible, but um, 
details enough so it's useful. Okay, and you just talked about investors there. So at what point would you consider getting outside investment? And you know, how long would you go testing the market yourself before you approach an investor? Because there are those that want an investor straight away. And then there are those that don't want to invest ever because they don't want to get rid of equity. So obviously it's, it's a difficult question to answer without being specific, but in, in general terms, if you are starting a business, when should you possibly think about bringing in an investor? I think it, it depends on the type of business. If you're developing, um, say, a new technology, um, which is, there's nothing like that in the market, and you're, um, and you're not going to be, you're not going to be taking any revenue for three months. I'd go, I'd go for seed investment more or less straight away. Um, if it's a more um, sort of standard business, I think you're going to need to prove that you're offering something different and and um, creating revenue before you go to investors. So, for example, if um, if I was opening up the, a chain of bars, which I'm not going to do, um, I would I think I'd need to make make them profitable for a per certain period of time before an investor is going to invest. But if I was going to um, create the latest app, which could read people's minds, then I'd, I'd, I'd go straight away to um, investors. And again, people like your accountant um, can help you with that. And there's different options in terms of crowdfunding and um, obviously going to your bank if you didn't want to give um, equity away or, or uh, uh, venture capitalists. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about some of, you know, if you can provide some concrete examples of, you know, some of the, you know, the, the biggest challenges that you faced in business. What happened? What was the result? What was the impact on your mindset? Um, and then what you did to come out of that difficult challenge or period or obstacle that you faced? I mentioned in, um, that in our first business that we were, we were growing very fast um, for the first two or three years, I think. Then there was a, um, a regulatory change uh, by the UK government, um, which basically got rid of 50% of our revenue oh, overnight, um, which, which can obviously be really, really stressful. It's especially when you've got a team of people and they've got to pay wages as well. Um, so it's, it's you, you don't just think about yourself. Um, I think in terms of what we did, and it, and it took time, we lost money for a, for a little while. So before you move on to what you did, like, like I want to know like, as much detail as you're confident in sharing, like how... What was the impact on your mindset? Like, you know, were you worried? Were you stressed? Were you, you know, were you panicking or were you relatively calm? Like, what was the impact on you as an individual? Well, yeah, I was stressed. Um, I was thinking that we've we've created something that was good, and it could just be could be gone within a few months. Um, and and it was an organisation that I was passionate about and had put loads of effort into. So seeing if that went sort of um, down the drain, then it's, um, it, it would have been um, 
it would have affected me a lot more mentally. But again, I think it helps having a team who is pragmatic and knowledgeable. So after an initial panic, we sat down, we looked at the market and we thought um, the, the overall market, not the part that, that we were uh, losing. Um, and we, we identified, okay, there's a gap here. We'll try doing that. Um, and, and that worked. Um, See, so again, it, it took time to get to the new market, explain our products, and and uh, get the customers and the revenue. Um, but yeah, um, you know, it was a, it was a worrying time. But after the initial worry, you sort of sit down um, with your team and, and work out an action plan. So, so, I mean, that's great advice for people right now. Obviously, with COVID, a lot of people have lost a lot of business. Um, some are struggling to pivot. Others have pivoted. Like, what advice do you have for those who, who haven't quite pivoted yet? Um, but they're, obviously, they're, they're, they're struggling because of COVID. Like, how important is it to pivot? And, and you know, what, what can they do to possibly find a gap in the market? Or, you know, what, what should they do to pivot and, and bring in maybe a, 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 a new business idea? Is it a new product? What, what should they be doing? Um, it's, it's difficult because if you're in that position, it's um, it, you, you don't want to um, judge these people because it, it is, it's, it's terrible, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but the, the key thing is for me is to um, you, you will panic some of the time, but we just have to admit that. But, the, but people, it's not like um, people aren't constantly in one state of mind, are they? they? They know that they'll have certain parts of the week or the days where they can concentrate um, and, and think about um, either pivoting or, or um, developing a completely new product. I think what you'd need to check before is is this a short-term thing or is my industry going to be permanently affected? If it's a short-term thing and you have the cash to, to get through it, you might just want to do that, possibly reduce your costs um, for the short term, um, which frankly may mean losing people. Um, but for the longer term of the business, that, that's something you have to consider. Um, but if if the business is, if the industry that you're in is just, as I said, completely um, going down the drain, then you, you have to think about pivoting. And pivoting doesn't necessarily have to mean pivoting your product. It could be pivoting your market. I mean, if, for example, um, there's the, U the UK economy is not doing great at the moment. We know that. Your products may work in um, the Asian markets, for example, which are which are doing doing better, and some of them have a um, particular affinity to um, UK um, products and services in certain industries because of historical ties. I mean, that's just an example that um, that I would consider if um, if the UK market wasn't doing well. And I'm sure that I'm sure the government will have incentives for um, for international trade. 
Okay, and uh, you know, obviously, with all the problems going on with COVID, with Brexit, uh, and all of the other stuff going on, you know, with the with the layoffs, the redundancies, the rising debt levels, like, why would you want to be an entrepreneur in this environment? Is it still worth being an entrepreneur? Uh, and you know, what are the benefits? Or are all of these problems just too much, and it's just not worth considering at this moment in time until the dust settles? Um. I mean, for me, if you've got the, the right knowledge and skills to become an entrepreneur, it can be really rewarding. And I, um, I mean, it can be rewarding financially, and let's be honest, it, it can be. Um, but the main thing for me is building something that's your own. Um, and as, as long as you get the right support in place, then um, you, can, you can do that. And I think, to be honest, um, some people might not have a choice at the moment because um, the, the jobs market is, is um, as we know, is uh, not doing very well at all. Brilliant. And, um, so moving forward then, obviously you, you've got your business, you've started. Um, what specific steps are you taking to, to grow your business in this climate? Um, well, we're, we're marketing um, internationally. So what we're doing, is, I mean, we, we think there's a market in the UK, definitely. And it's obviously our home market and we want to support people in our, in our home market. But we're not putting all our eggs in that basket. So, um, so we, we, we're talking to institutions in, um, in Asia, um, uh, parts of Europe, um, as well as the UK. And what we do is um, rather than do blanket marketing, um, we, we try and reach out to people directly because when you're selling, um, particularly to our delivery partner, education institutions, when you're selling our product, which um, if they have say a hundred learners, it's gonna be quite a lot of money for them. They wouldn't normally respond to just a, a, a generic email. Um, I think it's slightly different for direct participants, which is it's obviously much more affordable for um, an individual, and there's there's pricing plans and that type of thing. Um, so mainly, that's what, what we're doing through that is um, we've, we're just in the process of launching um, free access to part of the course. Um, so that basically gives people a taster. We've got some sort of free assessment tools um, that people can use. Um, so I think it's about what we're trying to do um, is give people a flavour of what what we what they could do with the longer program. And obviously, if they if they um, find what we can offer um, good, then they'll they'll sign up. For the main thing, I, it, the marketing I've tried in them before, which hasn't worked, is basically um, this is our course. Buy it now. It's just um, that sort of uh, that sort of marketing. It might have worked a little a few years ago, but people want to see value before they buy. I think now. Okay, so. Well, a, a, a UK business that doesn't really have an online presence. They've not got any international reach. 
how would they go about actually approaching an international audience? Like what, what steps can they actually take in practical terms without the, uh, without the jargon and the hype? Like what can an owner do right now to reach out to uh, an international audience, partner, provider, etc. Um, but the I know the, um, the Department for International Trade can offer a lot of support. Um, and it's even things like searching through LinkedIn for people um, and reaching out through that and just saying that we've got this product, we think it can really support what you do. Um, uh, that sort of way. And people, um, they're more likely to, as I say, respond to a, a personal um, communication that you've, you've thought about your products fit for whatever they, they offer than a, a generic um, generic email. So, so what's your process there to make sure it's, it's a personal message? Because obviously on LinkedIn or Facebook, whichever platform, we're all bombarded with message after message after message. So what can you do to make your message effective, personal, and, and stand out and, and ensure that you get a, a response rather than get ignored like the, the other messages that we get? I think, although it's a bit more time consuming, you need to look at that organization. I mean, for example, I get um, emails about my company's mortgage and, and LinkedIn messages, and we don't have a mortgage. So they, they obviously haven't done any research. Um, so yeah, I think it's looking at a, um, an organization's um, website, seeing what they offer and trying to match your product to them. Um, it's slightly different for um, if you're dealing with individual consumers. Um, in, in that case, I would advise that you get partners um, who know the local markets um, and these could be agents, they could be other organisations and um, you'd want to interview them to make sure that they, they know what they're talking about and they'll sell your product in, a, in an ethical, um, ethical way. Okay, and, and would you recommend they go direct to the individual on LinkedIn or should they go through the company channel by email or by phone call? Like, to get the fastest results, what is the you know, fastest way to make things happen. In terms of getting hold of a company? Company or, or to generate new business or to pivot. Like obviously this is a UK company right now, they've got no online presence. They don't know much about the online world, um, but they're now obviously in a place where they need to reach an international audience. So whether it's a, a company, whether it's customers, like what, what is the fastest route? Is it approaching people individually on social media? Is it trying to go to the, the board of directors? What, what, what should they be focusing on? Um, I don't think there's any hard and fast rule, but I think yeah. statistically um, people are more likely to respond um, if you've got some sort of connection with them on LinkedIn. So it might, rather than sending a generic email, um, so you might want to invite them on LinkedIn, get them to your own, uh, like your, your company page, so they'll gradually get to see your branding. Um, I mean, that's what, what I would do, um, but also try um, and develop associates um, in, um, or agents in uh, different countries. And um, the, the company that you sold to an investor, um, what 
did you do to that company? Like, what what was the most appealing part, and, and you know, what can other businesses do to prepare their business for uh, to make it attractive for an, an investor to come and buy it? I guess at that point we were um, we were consistently um, uh, making a profit and gaining new customers and um, so it's a consistency we had all we were a, a mature company so we had all the policies and processes in place so because when investors come to you if um if everything's a mess then it's, it's going to really put them off because they'll think well if it's a mess now it could be a mess in the future so would i want to put x amount of money in so, so did you firstly, did you make the decision that you were going to sell to an investor or were you approached simply because of, of what the company was doing? Um, we'd, we'd made a decision. So we weren't going to too many details. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and how was, was the process? Because obviously I'm in the, in the M&A field, in the buying and selling, you know, selling a business can be a massive headache and, and lots of things can go wrong. How was the process for you, obviously in general terms, how was the process for you uh, and, and somebody who's thinking about selling their business, whether to an investor or to somebody else, what advice do you have for them for the process of actually selling the business? Um, seek professional advice. That would be the first thing. Um, and and they'll, they'll take you through the process in, in more detail, but I think it's before you try and sell make sure your company is in order and um, make sure that what documentation's in order make sure the customers are happy and make sure you're regularly uh, generating income then you approach approach a, an investor and a professional um, advisor they'll tell you what uh, documentation you'd need to produce um, and in some cases that advisor will be able to reach out to investors um, if the investors like the look of your um, your pitch deck then there'll, there'll be further communication and negotiation you're also okay. gonna, I mean obviously you want to sell the company for for cash but you, you you also need to consider whether the investor is the right fit for your company because it might be something that you've spent years developing, which you don't want to see um, sort of destroyed. Okay. How was the process for you? Was it very stressful? Was it smooth? Did it take a long time? Was it relatively quick? It was, it was relatively quick. I mean, we had a, a prior knowledge of the investor. Um, and we, they were in our industry, so we knew that they were um, sort of well respected, um, etc. Um, I mean, th there were other people that we spoke to before, um, who, who obviously didn't understand what we we're doing because because we were in quite a niche industry. Um, it's they would come up with crazy figures in terms of evaluation. Um, which, which, yeah, we just, if, unless you're knowledgeable of the industry and you know, um, you know the uh, 
potential earnings, then it's it's difficult to explain to, to people. Okay. And, you know, when should a business owner plan their exit? When should they prepare for it? Um, because, you know, if you look at some of the statistics, there's millions of businesses for sale right now. And something like 14% actually have an exit plan or a succession plan in place. Uh, firstly, how important is it to have an exit plan? And, and how early should that plan start uh, to come into fruition? Don't know, but I suppose it's a lot of businesses when they start up, they don't really have a, an intention to sell. Uh, most of them, they think they'll carry on, carry on forever. Um, but as you know, people's people's lives change, don't they, after a few years? So I think once the, the company is stable, mm -hmm. then you would start looking at an action plan, uh, an exit plan. There's no point writing an exit plan when you, in the first two months of your business. Um, yeah, I think you, you also want a succession plan because a lot of the time in, investors won't want to run the company. So you'll want to have people in your team who, who, you're, who you're developing um, so they could possibly uh, take over um, if you depart. Brilliant. Um, so you also need to build in that once you sell, um, the investor may want you to stay on for a while um, to make sure everything is smooth. Brilliant. And, um, obviously, about wrapping up now. So just tell us a little bit about your why right now. Why are you doing what you're doing? Uh, and how important is it to have a strong why for your business? Um, I think my wise and the businesses wise are more or less the same. Um, as I said um, earlier in the interview, my, two of my passions are business and education. So if my organisation can help, um, I don't know, develop a thousand um, successful new businesses over the next few years, then that would be that would be a perfect why for me. Um, another why is about developing um, others. So, um, although we've got a small team at the moment, as we're just starting out, um, we'll be um, taking on more people over the next few months, and it's making sure that we we've, we've got um, development plans in place to help them really sort of develop and prosper. And, you know, you've started a business in, in, in COVID in a very difficult time. Like how has the business, you know, done in that period? You know, has it been affected negatively? Has it, um, you know, obviously with people looking online now with more free time, has it been a positive um, in terms of for your business itself? Like how, how has the experience been in this COVID period? Yeah, I think it's been... Um, I don't know. I suppose it's, I mean, our product could do well during this period because people will have lost their jobs and may want to set up a new, new business. I think um, with the delivery partner side, earlier in the year, it was obviously hard to speak to them because they were um, dealing with a lot of issues. 
Um, but yeah, we've we've recently um, had had lots of um, interest. So the future is bright, I think, and we and we think we've got a good product. So uh, uh, yeah. And, and how can people find out more about you and your product? Where can they go specifically to get more information? Oh, you can look at both of our products um, at our website um, and you can contact us through there. And that's uh, uk, which is edugrowth.co.uk. And we'd be happy to um, be contacted if people have got queries. Right. Um, I will drop the link below the video for that website. So if you can send me that, that's brilliant. Um, and before we just wrap up, do you have any final words of encouragement or advice for people out there right now, obviously in this COVID period? Uh, what would you say to them? Um, I'd say that the situation, we, we know it's difficult, but I don't think there's any point in pretending. Um, I mean, it, whatever you're doing, whether it's um, trying to find a new job or trying to set up a business, make sure you do it um, systematically um, and as positively as you can. And don't, um, I know I mean, I've done it in the past when something bad's happened, you shut the door and ignore the world, but try not to do that, reach out to people. Excellent, brilliant advice. Well, Joseph, thank you, it's been a pleasure interviewing you. Uh, thank you for your time, I'm sure people found a lot of value. Um, as for the audience, thank you for tuning in and we will see you in the next episode. Take care now. Bye bye. If you liked this episode, it would mean a lot if you would please rate and write a review. Please also subscribe so you get notified anytime a new episode drops. Thank you for tuning in. Now go out and attack your Minotaur.